you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, as usual, we're going to be looking at some very interesting questions today. Most of these deal with uh, business ideas, which energizes me a lot. It's a lot more fun than just trying to figure out how to go get a job. We can do that, and there's still a lot of opportunities to do that, and you're going to hear me talk about times when I think that is best. It's not always a wise idea to start something on your own sometimes. Getting a job is the perfect solution. We'll talk about that and more. Hey, this episode is brought to you by Audible. You can go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash 48 days and get a free audiobook download. Now, I'm going to be giving you some recommendations on what to get based on some of the questions we're going to be dealing with today. So stay with us. Here's some of the questions we'll be looking at. Dan, should I leave my marriage to pursue my dream? We could probably park there all day, couldn't we? Well, Dan, I would like to replace my current salary of about $43,000 a year in the next 12 months. How can I do that? What do you think of starting a dessert shop business? I'm on a disability for panic attacks, but need to contribute to our family income. What can I do? How How can I do what these guys have done in their mastermind group? Now, we're going to have fun looking at that. The idea of mastermind has been coming up more and more frequently. I'm going to share with you some recent stories about what some young guys at least are doing. You can do the same. Here's our quotation for the day. This comes from Abraham Maslow, one of those old psychologists. Remember the Maslow's hierarchy of needs from Psych 101 in college? Your first introductory psychology course when we look at that pyramid of needs. Incidentally, that's one of the things that I kind of uh, reversed in my latest book, Wisdom Meets Passion, because I said a lot of people don't operate that way, especially the Gen X, Gen Y crowd. They don't look to have safety and security first and then a sense of belonging and then self-esteem. And then you move all the way up to transcendence or self-actualization where you're going to really do something important and change the world. No, A lot of the young people today say, I want to change the world. I don't care if I live in a closet and don't have a car. I'll ride my unicycle. I don't care. So it really reverses Maslow's hierarchy. Well, anyway, I won't go into that. The quotation for today does come from Abraham Maslow, who said, a musician must make music, an artist must paint, a poet must write, if he or she is to be ultimately at peace with himself. What a man can be, he must be. So you must be what you can be. That'll be our theme. A lot of people are living lives of mediocrity, living below their potential. Maslow says you must be what you can be. So we'll be looking at how you can do that. Well, we usually start off with some success stories. Today is no exception. Got lots of them. I love having you all share your success stories. Got too many S's in there. Can't say it all together. But I love hearing the stories that are coming in. A couple weeks back, Raven asked a question. She says, Dan, am I being too idealistic or too practical? I went back to school two years ago, just finished an associates in art. And she goes through that she had a job in the insurance industry, but now she's um, trying to really pursue her art. 
but she needs to get out on her own again in terms of a place to live. She needs to not be in a point of desperation all the time in terms of having no money. And now she's been potentially offered a job, at least had a chance to interview for a job in the insurance industry again. And she says, if I get this job, I won't have time to continue volunteering in the art museums or take those classes. Should I turn it down and hold out for what I want or forget the classes and start making money again? Well, if you recall, I encouraged Raven to take that job. I mean, my feeling is nobody does their best art when they're desperate. And I described working with a Christian musician years ago. She was living with friends, driving an old rattle, rattle trap car. Anyway, I encouraged Raven to go ahead and take that job. I look for and solutions, not either or. Now, here's a response I got from Raven. This was nine days later on June the 20, the 28th. Raven says, Dan, thank you so much for answering my question today. I'm the artist who asked about being too idealistic or too realistic. In any case, I got the job, just finished my first week. Now, listen to her description. Now, this, you know, we've had all kinds of important principles in this response. Yes, we talk about pursuing your passion. Yes, I love seeing people pursue their art and do extraordinary things if it is traditional visual art or if it's sculpting or music, whatever it happens to be. Yes, I do love that. But listen to what Janice says, having taken a job in the insurance industry, even though she's an artist. I just got the job Finished my first week. I'm very happy. My dedication to my art has taken on a greater intensity because the amount of free time I have each day is limited. I feel free to make the kind of art I really care about instead of wondering what will sell. I am no longer desperate and I'm looking forward to moving out on my own and having a car again. I feel blessed to have an interesting job and a career as an artist and money. Thanks for everything that you do. Fridays are the highlight of my week, not because of the weekend, but because of 48 Days Podcast. Well, I love Raven's response. Congratulations, Raven, on taking the job and putting yourself in that position where you're no longer desperate. I think that's a brilliant move. Now, I like the idea of burning the boats. I mean, I have done that a lot myself where I put myself into a new venture and in essence, just burn the boats so there's no no plan of escape. But I'm seeing more and more examples where it makes sense to stair-step our way to success. I mean, pursuing our dream doesn't justify putting yourself in a position of desperation. And it also does not justify being dependent on others while that dream comes into view. Now, I could go off on that a while because I'm seeing too many guys who are pursuing their dream and haven't generated income for three years because their wife is working. I think that's preposterous. I think you ought to be embarrassed and ashamed if that's the case. You need to be providing for your family, no matter if you are pursuing your dream. And I mean, in, in Raven's case, and in many cases, getting a job may be the most responsible thing to do and the quickest way to make your dream come true. Again, look for and solutions. You can accelerate your success in all areas.
Now, here's another success story. This comes from Jordan, Garner, North Carolina. Hi, Dan. Thanks for your podcast. I've been listening to you since the fall of 2012. Can't wait to listen to the new podcast every Friday. Found you through the Dave Ramsey Show. You gave me the motivation to start my own side business in September of 2012 at 25 years old. I illustrate custom portraits of people. So we got another artist here. I illustrate custom portraits of people, anything they can think of. I paint. In 10 months, I painted over 150 portraits. Business is great. I love bringing a smile to my customers' faces by doing something I love. It's so rewarding. Thanks for helping me overcome the fear of starting my own business in a bad economy. Why didn't I do this sooner? Check out my portraits. And he gives an Etsy site there. I'll check that out. Tell your listeners to go and do what they love and charge for it. Don't overthink it. Just do it. Regards, Jordan. Now again, Jordan, 25 years old, out here as an artist, just found a creative application, rock and roll. You know, Joanne and I went to a, what was a company Christmas party a few months ago, and there was a young guy there who was doing caricatures. So he was just sitting there in a booth that was actually held at a a high upscale restaurant. He was sitting there at a table and you could just walk up and, you know, in five minutes he did a character of us. He, he did one of a Joanne and me in a cool car. It's really neat the way it's done. Now we didn't pay anything, but the company was paying him a hundred dollars an hour. See, that's a creative application. Instead of just going door to door and hoping to get one person to give you one little job. No, he does corporate events, a hundred dollars an hour, four hour minimum. And usually they keep him around longer than that. He loves what he's doing, loves the interaction. How would you like to sit down and just have fun with people? Just chit chat. There's no right or wrong, good or bad to what you're doing. Nobody's going to say, gee, that wasn't done right. It's a caricature. And he's doing those at a hundred bucks an hour. Great ideas are everywhere. Well, let me, let me turn the corner a little bit on a success story here. Now, I'm not going to give you the name on this one, and you'll understand why here in a second. But last week, had a group of 12 young guys who came out here to the sanctuary on a Wednesday morning. They are a mastermind group. Now, they're a mastermind group that's been meeting for about a year. 12 guys, you've heard me talk a lot about the power of that. We have a, I have an ebook on the power of a mastermind group. One plus one equals three been a really hot seller for us go check it out i'll put a link to that in the podcast notes for today so you can go right directly there and read all about it but here is what one of the participants in that mastermind group who came out here to the sanctuary we spent about two hours just brainstorming and walked around the property just thinking about things these are all guys in their 30s and they had a ton of questions for me and i absolutely was energized by the interaction time spent the next the next morning one of the guys sent me a note hey dan thanks for taking the time to inspire our mastermind group yesterday it was an honor to meet you no more mondays was one of the books i read in early 2009 when i decided to change my thoughts and change my future you helped me find those new thoughts and i am forever grateful in the four years following that change in thinking, I've accomplished the goals of paying off my current house, paying cash for a 100-acre farm in Columbia, Tennessee to, to, to retreat to with my family 
as well as paying cash for our dream home in Franklin that's being built right now. I became a millionaire by the age of 33 and realized the goal of being able to spend more time with my four-year-old son and two-year-old daughter. It's a rare gift to get to meet the author of a book whose writings helped change your life forever. I'm so grateful to you and God for allowing me to say thank you in person to Dan Miller. Blessings in all you do. May you continue to inspire and be inspired. Is that a great success story or what? A millionaire by the time he was 33 because he changed his thinking. And now he's building his dream home. He's building his dream home about half a mile from my house. I'm actually watching the construction of that dream home as it goes up and delighted to have him as a neighbor. Now, let me read you one more thing here about a mastermind group. Now, this was done about six months ago where a young man here in Franklin named Ty Ward, Tyler Ward, wrote a blog about why I think you should start a mastermind group. He said that three months before that time, he had a good friend had passed on the 60 page ebook about mastermind groups. That is the one that I wrote. Somebody gave him access to that on the surface that explains a mastermind group as 12 or fewer people meeting once a week, reading books and so on. Now this is Ty Ward in his blog that he wrote. So three months ago, five guys and I started an experiment with the idea. We get together every Friday, smoke cigars, and make it our primary goal to care just as much about the professional, relational, and spiritual success of the one next to us as we do our own. Since then, four of us have doubled our income, five of us have launched new businesses, and all of us have found a new level of fulfillment, both professionally and personally. Now, just hearing these stories, this week I had a, an old song come to mind. This is a song that we used as our theme when I was going through my master's program, getting my master's in clinical psychology. It was a small group of us in the master's program, and we had this song as kind of our theme, and it reminded me of that old song, an old Bill Withers song, when I started hearing these stories about a mastermind. Now, we're going to talk about this a little bit more, the importance of this principle. You'll recognize the song coming up here. This is an oldie, Lean On Me. You know, nobody is successful alone. Nobody makes it to the top in isolation. We all are connected to other people that help us on our success journey. You, you can't do it by yourself. Don't think that it will happen. Now, we're going to talk about how to do this, but just check out a little bit of this. make that the new the new theme actually we're getting ready to introduce a new concept called 48 days 48 days nation it's going to be an extension of 48days.net but when i see the things that are happening on 48days.net and i see the people that are having extraordinary success that are building their own businesses and i see again and again and again how they are connected to other people you know, I have people all the time say, well, gee, I wrote this great book and I've sold 200 copies. 
you know, how can I make it a New York Times bestseller? Well, who's your audience? Who's listening to you? Who are you connected to? Are you blogging? Are you commenting on other blogs? Are you doing a newsletter? Are you going to workshops and seminars? You know, are you part of the local chamber of commerce? I mean, you, you can't do something just in isolation. Now, let me be quick to add, I'm not a real gregarious, outgoing, social kind of guy. I mean, on a Saturday night, given an opportunity to go to a party with 40 people or stay home and read the latest book that I just got, I'd really rather stay home and read the book. I spend a lot of time alone, but I still understand the power of connection. I mean, we talk about content is king, connection is queen, and a queen rules the castle. Without connections, you can't be successful in doing anything. We, we've talked a lot in the last few weeks about this idea of you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You know, the principle that in order to increase your level of success, hang around people who are already performing at the level of success that you want. That's a really remarkable, strong, important, essential principle. So just make sure that you're doing it. But with all this that I'm hearing about the success of these young mastermind groups, wow, it just confirms that idea. We all need somebody to lean on. So uh, keep that song in mind, the old Bill Withers song. We all need somebody to lean on. Well, let me go into the questions. This comes from Brian. Brian says, Dan, I graduated near the top of my law class more than 10 years ago, passed two bar exams, but I never really got my career on track. I went from the high wire dot com bust to the banking bust and have been scrambling to make a buck the past few years. Literally every place I worked over the last decade is now out of business. Wow. I do, however, have a strong background in regulatory compliance, divorce law, and coaching youth football. My plan is to use this skill set to work with divorced and new sports parents on how to be effective sports parents so they can better support their kids. He talks about the core services that, that he is going to be providing. Uh, I love to teach and be of service. My question is what business model to use for this service. Like a lot of lawyers, I'm clueless on how to run a business, price and market this service. Where do I start to move from the comfortable planning state stage to the scary execution stage? Well, the question is, you know, can you create an economic model for this? Now, remember the three legs of the stool that I talk about frequently are you need to combine your passion, your talent, and an economic model to make something work. You can have passion for something and even talent in doing it well, but if we can't, can't create an economic model, then it's going to be tough to call it a real business. When you describe the core services that you're going to provide, you're going to help divorce parents or sports parenting you're going to teach sports parenting skills how to be effective at communicating with each other with their kids and helping their kids excel in the sports you know are you going to do that individually just one-on-one -on -one? are you going to do that in groups start to create some models for what that would look like and frankly i think you've got a challenge in creating an economic model will people pay for this People are used to paying for the sports group that their kids are involved in. And even there, a lot of those are free because they're through the community or through their schools. So there's a lot of built-in mentality that this is just something I get for free. So to pay, and now we're, now we're not talking about how to make the child really excellent in what they're doing in sports. I mean, people will pay for that. How to help your kids start faster, jump higher, you know, go farther, 
those kind of things. Yeah, to give them that little bit of extra edge, parents will pay for that. But will they pay to just become better communicators in that setting? I'm not sure. I think that's a really tough concept to sell. Now, you're going to have to give it a real unique, catchy name that you're going to call it. So have something that captures the concept that you want to convey. Have some great materials about what that's going to be. And I would suggest that you do it in groups where the fee can be pretty reasonably low, but then in the combination. So if you get 20 parents that are in there and they're all paying 40 bucks, then it makes it a pretty reasonable venture for yourself. I think it's going to be a tough thing to do. I don't think there's a lot of precedent for that. And I think you're going to have to educate people on the need and that alone will take enough time. It's going to be hard to be compensated enough to justify the time spent just in educating them on the need. That's my take on it. Boy, prove me wrong. Let me know that you knocked it out of the park, but I think it's a tough model. Angela from Tampa, Florida. Dan, thanks for your inspiring words. I'm currently reading 48 days to the work you love. I found out a few things about myself. I love to travel, interact with others and help others. I'm currently a manager in a call center. I'm in a good place because I'm single with no children, almost debt free, having trouble coming up with careers that fit this passion. Any ideas? This is where Angela, you can just start to make a list. Don't press yourself to, you know, do it in 10 minutes, but just start to make a list and commit to getting to 20 ideas that would combine your passion for interacting with others, traveling, helping others. I mean, you could obviously be a tour guide. You you could provide information for people on going to exotic places. You could coach them on how to travel inexpensively. Uh, Chris Gilbu has a lot of information on travel hacking, how to get flights for free and that kind of stuff. I mean, he does real well with his eBooks that he does in that regard. You can check him out. Chris Gilbu. I know he's got a tough last name to spell, but you can look up the art of nonconformity or the hundred dollar startup and you'll go right to his sites, but check out some of the things that he's doing, making money by educating people about travel. But just commit to over the next 30 days, come up with 20 ideas for ways that would combine your passion for travel and helping others and then flesh those out a little bit, you know, then narrow that list down to three or four based on what you know about yourself and what is most appealing. Then do a little little bit more research and then go ahead and act on one of those ideas. Say, this is what I'm going to do. That's the way that we take something, make it very personal, develop it into a real business plan. Yeah, you can do that. Rob says, Dan, I wrote a book, an ebook recently. It's a children's book. I used to make up these stories for my daughter when she was small. She's recently turned 18, graduated from high school all in the same week. I rewrote it from its original and had a girl on Fiverr.com make a cover for it. Now, let me just insert here Fiverr. It's F-I-V-E-R-R.com. And for five bucks, you can get people to do Almost, almost anything. I was going to say virtually anything, but almost anything you can get him to do for five bucks. So he had somebody make a cover for his book. It's not a huge project, but it's a start and getting started is what I've needed all this time. I'm working on another book right now that I'm going to publish soon. I wanted to thank you for the years that I've been getting your advice, whether from your podcast, blog post, or even face-to-face 
when I met you during an open house a few years ago. You're a true gentleman, and it's nice to know there's someone out there that gives freely so much of himself without expecting anything in return. That attitude is why we all keep coming back to you when we have new products come out. We trust you. I know you're an Amazon Prime member, so I wanted to send you the link. If you want to check out my children's book, uh, maybe get Joanne to check it out as well. Since she's written a few children's book, the name of it is Flowers and the Magician. Here's the link to it. Well, I did, Rob. I went and downloaded that right into my Kindle instantly and my iPhone read through it. Delightful little story. I assume you probably have some illustrations in there as well, but just a delightful little story and really just a story that you made up for your granddaughter. Is there potential even with just a little book like that, a little children's book? Yeah, there is. Remember a little children's book called Life's Little Instruction Book? A dad wrote that as just some basic principles for his son when his son had graduated from high school and was going off to college. And H. Jackson Brown, he's from here in Nashville. He wrote that for his son, never anticipating that it would go beyond that. But his son printed it out, had it up on his wall in his dorm room. Other kids started asking about it. He asked his dad if he would put it in a format where he could hand it out to some of his friends. And boom, well, that little book, Life's Little Instruction Book, has sold more than 10 million copies. It's spent more than two years on the New York Times bestseller list, it's been translated into 33 languages. I mean, a lot of times these books that do really well just come out of nowhere. We, we, it, you could not create a business plan to make it happen. I had a lunch yesterday with a, a friend who has written a new book. It's really well done. It's called Angel of Mercy. It's a novel, but it's really well done deals with the idea of being in really poor health at the end of our days. You know, it doesn't make sense to spend another $200,000 to add two weeks to your life, or should we be allowed to gracefully just bow out? Well, it's really well done. He'd like to sell 10 million copies of that. Obviously, I don't know how to make that happen. Sometimes it seems that a book just kind of gets traction and people start spreading it around. I mean, the little book, Heaven is for Real. I mean, the little yellow-covered book about a little six-year-old kid who almost died and then in the after experience of that started sharing stories about things that he should have had no knowledge of, but he seemed to have knowledge and he started talking about when he was in heaven, these things happen. Heaven is for Real. I mean, just a delightful little book. Thomas Nelson picked that up. Ah, figuring it'd sell three, 4,000 copies. Well, it's sold. Now, I don't know the exact numbers, but it has sold in the millions. I know that for a fact, but it has sold in the millions. Just surprised everybody. The author, being the daddy of the little boy, I mean, he had no previous writing experience, pastors a little church in Iowa, I think it is. But it, it had none of the characteristics of being a setup for a great book that would sell a lot of copies. It just somehow connected with people and took off. So yeah, I love, love the kind of things that you're doing here with the, your book, Rob. It looks great. Once you have gone through the process and actually see something in your hand or even see it virtually like this, where you have it on Amazon, I mean, the, the sense of gratification, the sense of satisfaction of having completed something and seeing that you actually birthed the, birthed the book like that is an amazing self-confidence builder. 
to propel you on to other things. I mean, that's the primary value. It doesn't matter if you make a hundred bucks with this book. Just the idea of having done it opens the door, propels you on to other things. Well, Dan Meller here. This is the 48 Days Online Radio. Just a reminder, if you want to shoot a question in, you can do that. Shoot a question in. Just go to the 48days.com site. Click on the podcast link. You'll see a little box open up where you can submit your question there. I love going through the questions. I eagerly anticipate the morning each day of the week when I'm going to go in and open the questions that you all have submitted and start selecting those that we're going to talk about right here in the podcast. So I'd be delighted if you wanted to do that. Now this comes from Alan. This is another cool little business idea. Alan from Madisonville, Kentucky says, thanks for time for taking the time to read through all the emails that come in, the wisdom you share in answering them. Here's my question. My wife is a stay at home homeschooling mother of three and has recently rediscovered a long ago discarded talent passion that she wants to put to use to help the family. She's looking for ways to use her enjoyment of pencil drawings specifically to provide extra income for the family and relieve some of my stress and looking for new direction in my career. Here's an example of her first venture into designing t-shirts and he gives a link there. It's through Teespring. Any ideas or advice on directions or how to go about this best would be greatly appreciated. Thanks again for using your talents and passion to bless other people. Well, now what Alan's wife did was designed a t-shirt. It has a tree on it. It's a really beautiful tree. And then it has a scripture underneath that out of Ephesians three seventeen. I pray that your love will have deep roots. Now they're doing that on Teespring which I love the creativity involved here. I mean, instead of just doing a pencil drawing and try to sell copies to other people, you're doing t-shirts where in essence, everyone, you know, feels like an original. There's no risk to you. You set the minimum that have to be sold before any are printed. You're pretty close. I see you set the minimum at 50. I, I bought one and I think I was number 44. So I'll be looking, I'll be confident that you're going to hit the 50 at least. So you go ahead and make the run. Now, here's the way that works. At Teesprings, T-E-E-S-P-R-I-N-G-S dot com, you can do exactly what Alan and his wife have done. Design a shirt and then put up a minimum that have to sell. Now, you can use this if you're a nonprofit, if you're raising funds for something or whatever, but you put it up there and they won't print any. So there's no risk. There's no cost to anybody unless you hit a minimum that you establish. Now, if they do now with this, with what Brian is doing here with the t-shirt, a minimum of 50 at $20. So there has to be a thousand dollars raised before anything happens at a thousand dollars raised. Then all 50 people who ordered shirts will get those. And of course, hopefully, you know, they'll have a lot more if they have 500 people that order the shirts, then it's going to generate, you know, $10,000. That, well, that would be cool. They're doing it to help raise money for the family to go to Haiti, you know, worthy cause, very cool way to do it. As with any business idea, the biggest challenge you have is the marketing. I mean, how far can you take this one idea? I mean, even if people really love your wife's drawings, they aren't going to continue to buy t-shirts every time she comes out with a new drawing. So you'll have to expand other ideas, whether that's going to be, you know, mugs or calendars or hats or mouse pads. I mean, this is a great way to test an idea, but it's not really scalable too far up. I mean, you, you can go to places like, 
Zazzle.com or Threadless.com. Those are similar concepts, same kind of thing. You design it, no cost. When people buy one, then you get a part of the profit. So you can do that and you can continue to go down that road, finding other unique ways to share her art. Now, I mentioned at the top that I was going to tell you where to get a free audiobook download. If you go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days, you can get a free audiobook download. Now, you know what I, how I feel about books. If you want to increase your level of success, the quickest way I know to do that is to read great books. Now, a lot of the questions today have to do with developing a little business idea. If you go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days, look up good to great. Now that's a book by Jim Collins. It's been around a while now. Yes, he profiles big, big companies, but the principles are valid. If you want to have a business where you're going to make 200 bucks a month, look up good to great. Now you can also get, and I really love this. You can get good to great in 30 minutes. Now the real deal, good to great is 10 hours long. It's a fairly lengthy book. But you can get good to great in 30 minutes and the abbreviation of that and actually get it in 30 minutes. But go there, get one of those free audio downloads. And of course, you can peruse all kinds of other books there as well. You can find mine there if you want to. But audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days and you can grab a free one to get you started. Good to great would be a wonderful one to start if you are shaping a business idea. Jerry. From Mount Vernon, Ohio. Boy, that's right across the cow pasture from where I grew up in Mount Gilead, Ohio. Listening to your podcast these last few months has changed my thinking. I recently completed my PhD in communication and I've been teaching in higher education for the last seven years. Also, I have lots of communication related skills. For a number of reasons, I find myself in a situation where I would like to replace my current salary of about $43,000 a year in the next 12 months. Once this would have seemed unthinkable to me, now it seems unlikely, but possible. (laughs) As I was thinking about this, I thought, Dan Miller wouldn't think this is impossible. I asked myself, what would Dan Miller do? Then I realized the best way to know the answer to that question is to ask Dan Miller, what would you do if you were in my position? Any response from you would be a great help. Well, I don't think that's unreasonable goal at all to replace $43,000 a year. Now, if you were making $430,000 a year, we'd go a little more carefully here, but $43,000 a year. I mean, that's not a thousand dollars a week. There's a whole lot of ways that you can do that. You can be a window washer or mow yards or be an artist. I mean, we can go on and on. But the thing is, as you know, I'm going to say 85% of the process of deciding what this is going to be is to look at yourself, look inward. You need to figure out what's unique about Jerry. What are your unique skills and abilities? What are your personality tendencies? How do you relate to other people? What are your values, dreams, and passions? What are those recurring themes and things that you're drawn to? What is it that when you're doing it, time just flies by? Those are the things that give you a clear focus for what idea is going to work for you. Now with me, my gosh. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to draw, I'm drawn to cars like a moth of the light. 
mean, I just, Joanna and I on Monday drove down to Atlanta, pick up a Mercedes that I had my eye on and negotiated a deal, drove down to pick it up. Now, I don't know how long I'll drive it. I mean, I'm going to drive it for a couple weeks. Joanne's already thinking it's a pretty cool ride. She may want to drive it. If that's true, I'll let her drive it. I'll take her car and I'll, I'll drive it and then I'll sell it and then I'll get something else. I mean, I just love the process. So it'd be really easy for me to say, I need to create $43,000 a year and I'm just going to flip cars to do that. No brainer because it's something I already am doing. I'm already enjoying it so much and to just create a little business model to go along with that. Boom done. So you need to do the same thing. Don't try to just draw something out of a hat. Go to something that is already in line with what you enjoy. Now, you know, I come up with lots of ideas for, you know, business ideas. I'll, I'll send you Jerry. I'll link you right directly to an electronic version of my 48 low or no cost business ideas. I mean, there've been a lot of people that have taken that And if they have not taken one of the ideas literally out of there, it's stimulated their thinking that have launched them into something else. So I've got the 48 low cost business ideas and they really are. They're ideas that anybody can do. And it also then links to, I think I've got a link to another thousand ideas, one of Seth Godin's products at the end of that little document and another list of 99. I mean, the list is pretty endless where you can go through and you ought to be able to find things that would work for you. But the filter in looking at things is not just, well, I think I can make a lot of money that no is what is it that fits me? That's where you get the power of an idea and increase dramatically your chances for success. So do that. I'll link that to you. Hopefully that'll get your idea list started where you can go from there. Esther, Lawrence, Kansas says, what do you think of starting a dessert shop business? I know you usually say to stay away from a bricks and mortar business, but I enjoy making desserts. So it would be like a bakery uh, meets Victorian tea room. I also do dessert buffets for events on the side, which I could do out of the shop. I would start collecting favorite dessert recipes from friends, family, and acquaintances feature those desserts as well as my own recipes in the shop, as well as compile a cookbook and yearly calendar for residual income. Esther, I I love your idea, but I still get gun shy when we talk about a bricks and mortar. Now here's the deal. You could do what you're talking about, where you do these delectable desserts and bakery items. You could do that in an industrial part of town where your rent is where you're paying $400 rent for access to a little commercial kitchen. Now I'm going to really exaggerate here just to make a point. You figure out what the figures are for you there in Lawrence, Kansas, where you live. But let's say that you pay 400 bucks a month because visibility doesn't mean anything. You're just making things and you're providing those for private parties for some of the restaurants in town. You're catering you know, special events because of the unique things that you do. And you're focused just on producing the product and selling it at very high margin. But you want to add to that a little dessert shop business. Now you have, you know, six ladies that come in and they sit down and they order a cup of tea. They spend $2 and they sit there for two hours, taking up your valuable retail space that you're paying $4,000 a month for 
that's a major quantum leap when you go from just producing baked goods to having a retail shop. You have to be in a place that has high visibility, that has a lot of foot traffic, or it's not going to work. And those places cost a lot of money. And people come and sit there for a long time. I mean, what you have to look at, I mean, if you, if you have a restaurant and you're going to be open during evening hours, you look for how many turns can we get? That means how many complete reseatings in this place can we get? So if somebody comes in at five o'clock, you want them out of there by six. You don't want that same person there at nine o'clock. You want them out of there. Now look at what the waiters and waitresses are trained to do. As soon as you're finished eating, they come and get your plate. They clean the table. They bring your ticket. Will there be anything else? They're ushering you out the door because you're taking up valuable real estate. What's true in most tea shops People come and they just kind of hang around. They meet their friends there. They open their laptop and they write three chapters of their book. That's a tough model to make work at its very best. And it puts a real strain on. I would go very carefully. I mean, you have to look at per square footage revenue generation on an annual basis. And having a tea room historically is really tough to make work. Not a fan of that, although I love your other, your core business I love and think you can do well with that. Steve from Phoenix says, I'm on disability for panic attacks and my wife owns a portrait photography business, but we're barely scraping by. It's her passion, not mine. I'd love to contribute to the household income, but I feel limited because of my anxiety. I've read 48 days, but I don't know how to apply it to my situation. Any advice on how I can support my family from home? I'm tired of my wife carrying the burden. I don't know what skills or attributes I have because I've been dealing with panic panic attacks for 15 years. I know I have more to offer. Can you help guide me, Dan? Wow. Your issues go far beyond what we can address in a two-minute response and a podcast, but let me give it a shot to at least get you started. I will send you, Steve, as well, the 48 low or no-cost business ideas. I mean, that's one of our products right off our product site, one of our hot sellers, but I'll send that to you as well to give you some ideas. I mean, this is, again, a a time when you're going to have to look at yourself to see what is possible. What are your skills? And what is possible with limitations you describe? Now, hopefully, if you've been dealing with panic attacks for 15 years, you're working with a competent coach or counselor to get you past that. So that's not an ongoing kind of thing. I mean, nobody should have to deal with that on an ongoing basis. There are ways to get beyond that. Don't see yourself as having something you're going to have to deal with for the rest of your life. See, this is something that you're going to find a solution to and move on with a productive life. And I agree with you. It's going to be tough to be at peace with the idea that your wife is having to work hard and you're just barely scraping by. So there ought to be a variety of things that you can do, even if you are not capable of leaving the home every morning and going to an office somewhere. There are thousands and thousands of things that you ought to be able to do drawing on skills that you have where you can produce reasonable income. I mean, in your situation, if you produced $2,000 a month, I mean, it sounds like that'd be a major uh, stress reliever. And there's certainly things that you can do. I mean, if it's on eBay or you're reselling books on Amazon. I mean, I talked about a guy who was just here for one of our events recently who buys cameras. He buys Canon cameras in bulk on eBay and then sells them one at a time on Amazon and makes $60,000, $70,000 a year doing that. I mean, that's a fact. That's not just 
blowing smoke. I mean, that's just what he does. You need to find something like that, experiment a little bit so you get some income coming in on a regular basis. Well, this one comes, um, wants to be anonymous and rightfully so. His lady says after 15 years of marriage, eight-year-old sons, 15, oh, 15 and eight-year-old sons. My husband and I recently discussed unhappiness, trying to please each other. We're working to show more love, but I realized if I were on my own, I would change careers having no one else to please. I built a career in the engineering industry for 13 years, but I've always wanted an academic career despite the challenges. I've applied or taken part-time grad classes four different times, decided not to move forward due to the setback professionally and the financial obligations to family. I'm 35 and only have a bachelor's degree, so it would take time, but I still have 30 years to work. I've been trying to make my other career work, find passion there and express my calling there, but haven't been able to. This incident was when I truly realized why. How do I decide if the risk is to pursue what I believe I was made to do is worth the reward? Wow. This is a major question. You know, is there ever a time when you should leave your marriage to pursue your dream? I mean, this is certainly one where we are not going to have a cookie cutter solution. Every situation is different, but you don't like your job or your marriage and you'd like to be in a position to not have to please anyone else. Now that really backs you into a corner. As, as I mentioned early in the podcast today, this idea that we, we all lean on somebody, it's not possible to have any kind of success without having to please other people. And that's not just in a patronizing kind of way. It's just the way life is. I mean, you can be on an island and be an artist and have beautiful paintings and advertise them for a million dollars. But if there's nobody else on the island, it's not going to do you any good. And you have to please somebody else with your work before there's any kind of monetary reward. Now, changing careers is not an unreasonable goal at any stage, but that doesn't require wiping the slate clean in terms of personal relationships. And with two young children, you're talking about complicating your life dramatically and increasing the financial obligations immediately. I mean, it's going to be a whole lot tougher to get out of your current career and get another degree if you're divorced. If you're sharing expenses now, how are you going to have any margin at all in your life if you move to having 100% of the expenses for rent, utility, groceries, and so on? It sounds like you're getting ready to increase the pressure time-wise and financially at the very time you want to back off a little and pursue more schooling. When you ask about the risk balance reward here, I think the risks are extremely high. But I don't think you need to deprive yourself of the rewards of redirecting. I mean, talk this through. Sit down with a competent marriage coach. Look at your options. Map out what you want the next five years to look like. Agree on a plan of action and then make that happen. Well, let's do a quick recap and we're out of here. I'd like to replace my current salary of about 43000 a year. Can I do that? Yeah, absolutely. Lots of ways. You ought to be able to come up with 20 ways to do that. Uh, what do I think of starting a dessert shop business? I think that traditional bricks and mortar business that locks you in to a tiny geographic audience is a tough one to make work. And when you're talking about a tea shop, people stick around too long. You can't get them out of there fast enough. Turn your audience. Tough business model. If you got panic attacks that need to increase your family income, wow, be creative about the things that you can do, even with those limitations. If you can work two hours a day, you can create a couple thousand bucks a month. 
How can I do what these guys have done in their mastermind group? Start your own mastermind group. My goodness, don't deprive yourself of the rich rewards and the benefits and the opportunity to do like we're hearing from these guys, doubling their income, becoming a millionaire at 33 and so on. Boom. And our quotation for the day, a musician must make music, an artist must paint, a poet must write if he is to be ultimately at peace with himself. What a man can be, he must be. Are you being what you can be? Or are you settling for less? Well, I know that you're on this path to uncovering all that you can be, identifying who your best self is. Hey, thanks for being part of this journey with us in the 48 Days community, where we all are finding or creating work that is purposeful, meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. Don't settle for less.